0: Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology, rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent day culture and where you can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. This week we're heading back over to Ancient Egypt because it's been a while and it's one I really love covering and we don't cover enough. Reasoning there is that there are actually only a few monsters in this mythos and I don't want to use them up so early. My process is that usually I separate them all up into mythologies and geographies, so that I get a fair coverage of each one, working with as many monsters within them as I can find. But that's why you won't see too many like Inuit mythology in the next few months, as there's only a couple of monsters. I don't want to finish the whole mythos off before a year of podcasting. It would be ridiculous. Anyway, on with the show. The monster we're focusing on this week is Amit. She is a legendary monster goddess from Egyptian mythology that you might not be so familiar with and you certainly wouldn't want to mess with either. Amit is one of the goddesses of judgement in the underworld of the Egyptian myth, and works mostly alongside the gods of the dead, Anubis and Osiris, to make sure that only worthy souls end up in the lovely underworld. If you don't know much about the process in Egyptian myth, don't worry, I didn't either, so I'm going to summarise it later on in the episode. Amit is described as a pretty horrific creature. She has the head of a crocodile, the body of a lion or sometimes a cheetah, and the butt of a hippopotamus. These three animals represent the largest and deadliest creatures known to the ancient Egyptians. So she was considered pretty terrifying and embodied everything that Egyptians feared. But hold up, she didn't do anything to anyone without very good reason. She is considered a funerary deity and is called the Devourer of the Dead or Eater of Hearts. Amit would basically sit on a judge's panel in the underworld, which is known as Duat in Egyptian, escorted by Anubis to the Scales of Justice. When at the scales, the person's heart would be placed on one side and a feather would be placed on the other. The feather came from the goddess Ma'at, who was the goddess of truth. If your heart was heavier than the feather, it meant you had evil or dishonesty weighing you down. It's an ancient Egyptian tradition to make sure that every person had a fair chance to get into the underworld, even if their heart was heavy with sin. So they would then go to Anubis and his panel of judges to reason with them and justify why their heart was so heavy. If their excuse wasn't good enough though, it comes to Amit, who is called the eater of hearts for a good reason. Amit would eat the heart used for judging, and the person was believed to then never be at rest and was said to die a second time. In other stories, Amit would chuck the heart into the river of fire that ran through the underworld, and it would be destroyed as well, thus linking Amit to the idea of literal hell and destruction throughout Egyptian culture. Now what would happen if you did have a solid good little heart? Well, Amit wouldn't be fed. She was a very fair judge and would never do anything without good purpose. The soul would then pass on to Osiris, the king of the dead, who would grant them immortality and allow them into the Underworld. You'll notice there that I called Osiris King of the Dead. Shock horror. Erin! don't you mean Anubis? Nope. No, I do not. You are technically correct. He still is A God of the Dead, but he doesn't reign over it anymore. Basically, he has been at his post so long that his role has changed over time, but he's not actually considered the God of the Dead anymore, by the god of embalming and mummification instead. Again, we'll get into that kind of story later. Now, onto etymology. Amit comes from the word mumet which in ancient Egyptian means devourer of the dead, which is very apt for her, it is one of her titles. I would really love to tell you what the hieroglyphics are for this, but they're not very much the generic ones that I know at least, so I would just explain them incorrectly. I'd have a look if I were you if you were interested. Now to really understand this monster though, you need to know about the way that Egyptians dealt with death, so here's a quick overview. Once the Egyptians had died back in the day, firstly they would be mummified and embalmed with a priest, usually in an anubis or a jackal mask or headpiece. We all know that mummification is pretty gross, but they pull out every organ and burn it to ash, other than your heart, this is really important, it's the one organ they don't touch. Then you and your organs would be buried within a tomb, the grandiosity depending completely on your status in life, covered in ancient afterlife texts such as the prints from the Book of the Dead, the Book of the Netherworld, the Book of the Sky or just the normal pyramid texts. They would be buried with their most precious belongings, including sometimes their pet cats. That's an important one for me. I would be absolutely offended if they didn't take my cats with them but the most important thing was food, for their very long journey into the afterlife. Once they got into the afterlife, they would then choose their vehicle to ride through the underworld with. This, again, depended on their status and what they were like in life. Pharaohs were the only ones who were allowed to use boats, and you could always use your coffin as a last resort. However, if you were a criminal, you would often be denied this first part of the journey, Leaving you lost in the netherworld forever. Ancient Egyptians feared being something like decapitated, as this was a punishment reserved purely for treason, as it would render them completely useless in the afterlife. They could not go any further. Once they got through the first part of the underworld, though, they would then arrive at the Hall of Ma'at, where the scales of justice were kept. This is where the judgment took place, and where Anubis and his panel would be waiting they would first be required to recite every judge by name as a first test. Then their heart would be taken out and put on the scales opposite the feather of Ma'at. You know this bit, I told you it earlier. If you were bad, I'm out of your heart. But if you could carry on, Anubis and his gang of gods would present you to Osiris, the god of the dead, who would decide whether you would continue. Now, I'll explain about Osiris and Anubis, Everyone thinks that Anubis is the god of the dead and technically you would be right for a certain amount of time. However, Osiris is the god of the dead, following his death in Egyptian myth. He was basically the original king god before Set. His evil brother decided to kill him and spread his body parts around Egypt to take the throne. His wife Isis found all of his pieces and Anubis, being the actual god of the dead at the time, mummified him as the first ever mummy and brought him back. The king was now undead and as a sign of respect Anubis stepped down to allow the king of the gods to reign instead as the king of the dead as you can't go back to being king of the gods once you are deceased. In death Osiris also got busy and with his wife Isis had the son Horus. You might know him with the hawk head. He would go down to eventually bring down Set and become the rightful king of the gods eventually. Anyway what was the bonus of getting through to the afterlife? Well, you'd be reborn to a second life in the paradise of Aru, or the field of reeds, where you could eat, drink, and be merry with the same rights as the gods, and even commune with your living relatives for all eternity. This was really, really important in Egyptian culture, and the idea of the afterlife was essential to being a part of it. They were terrified of the idea of having a disrespectful burial, and to not meet the mark when it came to honesty While basically being sin-free, they would all get a bit nervous, so it was written into the Egyptian culture to be honest and good, which would keep their hearts nice and light for the scales. There are no real animals to compare Amit to though, although she is made up of those three most man-eating monsters within Egyptian land. This kind of says enough that they existed, but do we think a platypus or an okapi would exist? No, but they do, so... Maybe there is a weird amalgamation of all of those monsters roaming around. Who knows? Now, for this week in cultural significance, it's a bit tricky because Ammit is a lesser-known goddess, but she is in the Book of the Dead and in the Pyramid Art of the Underworld, judging the process if you look at this too. Otherwise, there's a really fantastic bunch of independent art on her. She's a great mix of animals, so she's a real process to draw up, I imagine. For other more cultural bits like TV, movies, video games... I'm going to talk about some of my favourite Egyptian-based things, as they might not specifically have Amit in, but you can gather some more bits about the Egyptian pantheon and culture from this. For movies, with Amit in particular, there are actually two. You can see her in Weighing of the Heart and the Pyramid horror film. For other Egyptian myths, you have Prince of Egypt, Gods of Egypt, The Mummy from 99, or even Death on the Nile, with the new one that should have come out last week or the week before. For TV, you've got American Gods, Mummies Alive, Stargate, The Secrets of Isis and Tutenstein. and lastly, for video games, we have Age of Mythology, Ankh, Assassin's Creed Origins, Entombed, Lara Croft in the Temple of Osiris, Titan Quest, Smite, and the Valley of Kings. Now, my book recommendations this week, I would personally suggest Religion in Ancient Egypts, God, Myths, and Personal Practice by John Baines, and Egyptian Mythology, A Guide to Gods, Goddesses and Traditions of Ancient Egypt by Geraldine Pitch is a really great read. They are ones I've suggested before but they are great books so it makes sense that I do it again. Now it's time for Do I think they existed? Now I'm going to say no, however this comes with a thought. Generally I would say no to a creature that is very literally an amalgamation of three different animals, however the Egyptian gods were also mixed up with their animal heads so how far can I really judge them apart? Also, she was noted as a sentient being, who could talk, so how is she any different from the other gods? To add to that, she's a creature of the underworld, just like the gods in the sky. I can't judge that any of them exist other than from a personal level, or I can't say I believe in deities, but I personally do, so I can't detach them from this either. So my only point here is that she lives in the underworld, so who knows if that exists truly, or what version or religion has got this right, as no one can tell us after the point of death, right? My only other one is that she's a sentient being with a crocodile head, lion chest and hippo butt. Like, that's quite ridiculous. But I get her point. I understand I might have just talked in circles, but you know what I mean. What killer monster? Who isn't really that much of a monster? Although maybe by definition she is considering the mix-up of these deadly creatures from Africa, but who defines monsters these days? I think she's a really great monster to cover as she sits within those gods and within the monster category, and she isn't worshipped, so it is a really fun one to cover. Next week, we are heading back over to Greece because I love it, and we're looking at the horrible harpies, which are half birds, half ladies from Greek mythology. So come squawking in next Thursday. Also, as a heads up, I'll be taking a well-deserved two-week break from the podcast following the next episode, as it's my birthday. It's also the year anniversary of the podcast, the week I get back. So you'll have me next week, but afterwards I'll be back on the 24th of March with more monsters. I'm turning 27. How fun. For now, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you're listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next. And I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok, YouTube and Instagram are MythMonsters Podcast. And Twitter is Myth Monsters Pod. But all of our content can always be found at mythmonsters.co.uk. You can also find us on Good Pods and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast. You know, if you feel like it. But come join the fun. Share this with your pals. They might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky and I'll see you later, babes.